and warm welcome to Straight from the Heart, a podcast by Pragyan Advisory. I am Vivek Tiwari, your host. In the last several months, we have realized the importance of having focused and deep conversations like never before. And taking a leaf from the lessons learned, we have termed this series as Conversations. As part of Conversations, today, we have someone who has been a part of the technology organizations for almost 25 years. He's worked and led some of the leading tech organizations like Cisco, Intel, Polycom, and is currently the country head and VP engineering of Dialpad India. Uh, dear viewers and listeners, please welcome Amit Kaul. Amit, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Vivek. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, I'm really, really glad to be on your show and hope that uh, it's going to be a wonderful conversation. I'm sure it will be. Thank you, Amit. Uh, the overall theme for our discussion today is building an organizational brand and culture in a competitive market. And what I'll do is, considering your background, considering the kind of work that you've done, all across your career and especially at Dialpad, I'll straight away jump into my first question. So uh, we would be eager and I'm sure the viewers and listeners will also be eager to hear from you uh, that uh, we know that you you, you had bootstrapped Indian entity of Dialpad in 2018 and then you scaled it up. Uh, Tell us how did you attract and retain tech talent in an aggressively competitive market like uh, India? And how did you uh, manage to establish the organization's brand since it was a new organization setting up a base in India? How did you manage to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I just want to say that uh, just to just to recap and give the context uh, about my journey, I joined Alpad uh, three years back. So it's, it, it, is, it is approximately three years for me. Uh, and it has been a wonderful and uh, amazing journey for me. And this was a journey which I signed up for. Uh, literally, I enjoy bootstrapping and scaling the teams. Uh, so we are almost uh, going to be close to 100 very soon, almost there. And, um, and, and, and this is a journey which I have not done it first time. I did a very similar journey way back in Polycom in, in 2011 when Bangalore team was uh, set up as well. And this was that also grew to almost 100 people. Um, having the experience of bootstrapping uh, the two entities in last, I would say, a decade, uh, I would say there are a few points which kind of stood uh, test of time for me. So maybe I can just list a few of them, uh, which kind of come on top of my head. Uh, the first thing from a, uh, whenever you're kind of scaling any organization, first thing which kind of uh, is very important to understand is that uh, uh, it, it's hiring, right? So you have to hire the people, you have to recruit the people. Talent acquisition is the first and the foremost thing. Uh, without the people, there's no organization. Uh, one, the, the one thing which we realized very quickly uh, with the experience was that uh, when we have the, the pressures of hiring, you tend to kind of go with the recruitment partners who kind of will tell you that, you know, they can scale and they can help you. But for the size of the company, what we are and with the no brand in there, what we realized is that 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 really doesn't help. So you you have to uh, see that you have your recruiters are not just the regular recruiters. They are actually the people who can actually uh, who they're almost like salespeople, right? They have to pitch for the company, for the value, for the role, and everything. And when they're doing that with the with the potential employees or the candidates, they have to be uh, they have to be someone. Uh, who people can believe in and that thing doesn't come by just uh, you know someone who doesn't have skin in the game so the first first thing I would say was the, the, the first important point is to get the recruiters who are the employees who have stake in the company who are someone who actually are working full-time for you that's what, what I would say uh, is the first uh, lesson uh, for us and, and having a strong recruiter and the coordinator who can actually work in tandem and make sure that you know the pitch is right the candidates are followed up and make sure that the candidate experience is really top notch mm-hmm. uh, the second point i would say uh, in dial but specifically uh, i would say the the challenge we had was we people didn't know about the company mm-hmm. so the so uh, about the name and uh, while i would say we as a company, are relatively more known in the Silicon Valley. We are a San Francisco-based uh, startup, right? So, but if India, nobody knew about it. Uh, 
so uh, when you when somebody kind of makes a call to a candidate so they would ask like okay what's the company and then uh you know how many people are there so you said no no we, we don't know anyone right now and and they, <laughs> you might be the first person right so i think mm. it just uh, or you might be the 10th person mm. so it just kind of was a challenge a uh, lot more bigger challenge for us uh, if you just compare it with polycom polycom lot more people knew and yeah. our favorite pitch was like have you seen the triangular phone and people say yes and i think that's how the conversation used to start so there was some reference point over there so dialpad we didn't have the reference point for the people to get to know so uh, so we had to do a bunch of things we realized very quickly like for instance we had to make sure that dialpad india as a, as an entity kind of uh, has a presence in the digital platforms uh, we quickly went and saw that okay if somebody types in dialpad dialpad and dialpad india what appears so we had to create a google uh, you know business page around that we had to make sure we put some pictures whatever we had uh, we had to get to the linkedin and make sure we have the right digital uh, presence over there especially linkedin is a is a place where people go uh, i i had to very quickly make sure that you know i changed my uh, role and whatever it is right so i think we had to kind of uh, we had to make sure that uh, digital platforms are like really really updated with all the details whatever we can uh linkedin glassdoor google these are the, i would say the three important ones when if you're scaling up from the scratch you have to make sure that your presence is well known and uh, and then as we started building uh you know uh, building the company and getting the few first people excited and join us mm -hmm. uh they, then we actually used that the, the, you know i would say the biggest brand i going to continue telling this to my team is biggest brand we have is the people so each mm -hmm. and every person who joins actually is a brand ambassador so we use people uh, initially a lot in terms of like you know uh, who has joined us and and i call them talent magnets right so mm -hmm. they became the talent magnets for the further one uh, so so i guess that's these are the uh, i mean these are the two important things from a logistical perspective uh, we can get to the fact that you know when you are recruiting in the competitive market like india you have to really arm your recruiters with the right tools uh as simple as for, for instance linkedin is our uh, very primary uh, platform so you have to make sure that you are spending money on things like something like recruiter license for the recruiters they can search better they can go deeper and all the stuff like if you don't do that they can just maybe take a license uh, you know temp license or but it just is not as effective as especially when you are going to tech talent you have to go yeah. deep yeah uh, similarly for instance uh, referrals become very important as you get first number of people mm -hmm. Uh, uh when i joined i reached out to my network and some lovely first set of people's so referrals we have we believe that you know at least to start with at least 20 to 30% of the people should come from the referrals and uh, and that's where where the conversion rates are much better because people trust the company more because of the people who are joined mm. and uh, and then i i i think that the other thing as you're scaling and bootstrapping the as you're bootstrapping and slowly scaling the company it's also very important to keep a tab on the how the competitive landscape is who are the who are the companies where people will uh, you know join you why would they join you what is the value prop you can actually give so i would say uh, for a company like us uh, and it will differ from company to company uh, for a company like us we we really were uh, very clear in terms of our pitch like for instance uh, our founders they are ex googlers they used to run the google voice so mm -hmm. that was that excited the team number 2 the investors uh, were very very uh, very uh, specific of the investors anderson hobbits who are the leading uh, investors google ventures so that kind of gives them a sense that oh this this ship is run by really seasoned people and invested by seasoned people the third thing was uh, about the domain we are in and actually post covid it became much easier because people everybody knew about the you know the, the this domain right so they, you can get excited by uh, by that uh and finally it was about the culture and also what we want to do in india specifically mm -hmm. what is the charter for india mm -hmm. then digging in all the way down to the role what role we are looking for right. uh, so these are the, these are the high level pitch deck we had created and we we were making sure that we are talking about that one because initially it is all about selling you're selling a story to the people yeah. right and hoping yeah. that 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 believe you and then the other thing which kind of really comes back to the 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 and i would say that's the last thing for this point is about people also also looking at like you know what's the compensation what's the benefits and all this stuff so we sure. we we kind of had a very conscious decision where we want to kind of peg ourselves as compared to competition uh but at the same time we didn't want to see compensation compensation as the only reason why people should join us so there were yeah. a bunch of things uh, ranging from the quality of work ranging from uh, you know quality of work culture 
uh, also the fact, uh, all those things which I just mentioned, joining a company which is like really a well-rounded company. Mm. We also paid some attention to the benefits which we could give as a, as a company, so that you know people people feel good about it. So so it was a, I mean to summarize, it was a, a very conscious uh, you know thought process in terms of making sure uh, from recruiters to the recruitment recruitment strategy to the tools uh, to the pitch, uh, and then also. Uh, looking at the compensation and the benefits, where you peg yourselves, and uh, making sure that digital platforms, um, as well as face-to-face -face when people are talking to you, uh, you are communicating the same thing again and again. And and as you kind of do that, you will see more and more people like getting convinced, and then they become the brand ambassadors as they go along, and they kind of you know replicate the same thing. I hope I could answer your question. Uh, uh, you know uh, what we are looking for. Oh hopefully. yes, of course. Of course, and you answer it, I think, both at a macro level, and then you went into each and every element. And I think this would be very helpful for a lot of people who uh, would be listening to uh, or would be watching this, because, and especially the people who are trying to attract tech talent in India in a market which is considered to be extremely, extremely competitive. You know, there are certain companies who can go on day zero and, you know, get the talent because of many, many reasons. But then there are companies who are really good, want to change the world in their area, they've got good strategy good backup and everything but they have to establish their brand and attract them right. and i think that's exactly. where such things which you talked about at macro and micro level uh, definitely will help uh, i've been talking to a lot of folks uh, in the tech space and one of the usual uh, you know issues that they talk about is that you know we're not able to get talent getting talent is not that easy it's very difficult and what to do and i think this is what you are telling and what you laid out for us this would be something which would be really helpful for them. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know that you touched on two more points about what would India center mean? And I would come to that. That's the, my second question. And culture, definitely I'll come back to that later because that's, a, that's an area which we would like to explore, understand a lot more from you. It's also very close to our heart, the kind of work that we do. So I'll, I'll come to that. So the second question that I have for you, uh, and actually it was a good segue the way you talked about is a, while you aim to you know, uh, make India a long-term center of uh, platform development uh, and innovation for Dialpad globally, what are some of the factors that gives you confidence uh, about India as a geography? Uh, <clears throat> I think, I think uh, definitely I'm, I'm sold on to India because I, uh, that's what my uh, role is here. So I think more relevant question would be like, uh, the companies who want to invest in India, how would how would they see it as a long term strategic bet for them and the investment uh, destination for them? Mm. Um, see, if you if you just step back and look at the broad canvas, like India has an immense advantage of a uh, very large uh, English speaking uh, talent pool, and specifically, then you just kind of if you just further uh, delve down the actually engineering or technical talent pool. Mm. So uh, what that really helps is uh, if you look at companies and I, I, I have friends and colleagues uh, at, at various companies which are at different different <coughs> levels of uh, maturity and the growth. Mm. So there are people who are like really starting uh, and they want to set up a, starting let's say in North America and they want to start uh, a, a center in India yeah. uh, versus there are like uh, you know the let's say uh, companies which are like let's say 300 400 people like, they want to start something and versus there are companies which are like much bigger right uh, the big names big brands they want to start so yeah. so you can actually see the the entire spectrum of companies uh, who have interest in actually uh, you know starting the centers in india because the the fundamental reason is it's not just india but the fundamental reason is that the the demand for the tech talent is real and uh, mm -hmm. The world is kind of, you know, because of various reasons is is getting into that, uh, you know, uh, everything is getting digitized. So you need that talent to kind of make mm -hmm. that happen. Now, what India, uh, stepping back, right? So because of the fact that what we have, the kind of uh, talent pool we have over here, uh, I feel that it gives uh, an opportunity for people at from various uh, levels uh, and scale to look at India. So mm -hmm. there may be markets in the world, uh, uh, you know, outside India, which can actually give you the same opportunity, mm -hmm. but uh, but they may be at a cer certain level. Let's say they are like very niche, or they may be like you can grow to certain certain level, and after that you get stuck. But India mm -hmm. gives you that opportunity. There are companies who have scaled 
uh, India centers to like, you know, 10,000, 20,000, like, mm, I, mm. I, I think there are companies like 100,000 plus, right? So, so that I think that's a big advantage, because what as a as a business, when you're setting up a center, you also need to look at it from a, a managing the center, you need to bring the economies of scale as you right. as you grow. So you don't want to kind of, you know, let's say hire people who are supporting the center, and then the center can't grow beyond that, right? So I think that's something you want continuity and also economies of scale, which India kind of really, really gives that. Mm -hmm. And I think the second point I want to mention is uh, when you're setting up a center in India, uh, especially with the fact that a uh, lot of uh, companies have been around for like, like two decades, three decades now, uh, many people have, let's say, worked in uh, outside India in, in major tech hubs and come back, relocated back. So that, uh, and also the experience of people who have kind of worked here for a long time, that kind of gives a gives the companies uh, a great opportunity to hire the good leadership talent over here. Good leadership talent who can understand the, the culture and how the companies work, let's say, especially uh, in this, you know, I have worked mostly companies in North America. So how the North American companies work, what's the culture, what works, what doesn't work, where to push, where not to push. So that getting that leadership talent is very important at all the levels, like thanks to the, thanks to the last couple of decades, what we have seen, right? And uh, the third opportunity I see is uh, while India has been seen only as a tech, uh, you know, uh, hub for by many companies, but what I can tell you is that India is just not the tech, right? So you can pretty much hire any function, whether it is sales, marketing, it may not be like sales guys who kind of go to the customer, but, but sales operations kind of people, marketing operations, finance uh, operations, like people who can, who are, who are very critical functions, very strategic, uh, and they don't need to be in front of the customers or they don't need to be right there, right then when the decision is being taken, right? So there are companies uh, who have formed big practices around those and they're working really, really efficiently. So what that also helps is that as companies are growing the India centers, they get an opportunity and to kind of scale those teams as well, along with the, maybe the tech is still the hub or mm. tech is still the pivot, but you can actually build the rest of the teams as well over there. And again, it goes back to economies of scale. They get the best ROI on their investments, right? So, uh, and uh, finally, I would say just one more thing, which a lot of companies have also done, which is very interesting and which we see sometimes as a disadvantage of India is the time zone difference, especially in the context of North North America, right? So we are like 12 and a half or 13 and a half depending on the time. Depending on the time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it just gets, it, it does get uh, challenging for teams to coordinate and manage, and we call it management overhead, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of managing these highly distributed projects wherein there's a lot of interaction. The way we solved in Dialpad was that we took a conscious decision that whatever work is getting done in India, eventually at some point we want to make sure the ownership is uh, more in India so that the management cost is less, right? But uh, actually there are there are some companies who have used it to their advantage. So they follow mm -hmm. they do this follow the sun model, Oh, wherein yeah. you know the EMEA APAC can be done yeah. out of India and then you know the uh, the US and North America can be done somewhere else so it's a it's a very uh, out-of-box thinking many companies have thought about in terms of how to use the Indian talent uh, and, and not get stuck by just the fact that there's a time zone difference and so on so at the end of the day what you need is and and COVID uh, and work from home or work from anywhere has further yeah, actually yeah. accelerated that whole thing wherein companies are now much more comfortable to kind of you know, kind of work work with that kind of model. So these are few, I would say three to four points I, I can think from the top of my head, why India would be still relevant as a geography. And, and uh, I have huge confidence that because of the great talent pool uh, and also these aspects which I just discussed, yeah. it's going to continue to be the geography of choice for the future investments. Completely agree. And great to hear from somebody who's bootstrapped to sort of global organization center based out of India. And I do remember because um, I was also part of in some shape or form the journey when uh, Polycom yes. was trying to, you know, move from de delivery to innovation center and correct. Yeah. So yeah, good, good to hear that. And uh, I do agree with all the points and, you know, uh, there's one way of looking at it when we meet people and then there's, there's this stuff that is published in papers, which is of course true. But then you meet someone who says, look, I have confidence because I've gone through this path. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do talk to people out, out there in the U.S. and I tell them the story of India and, and it's, it's sort of given results, proven its credibility over and over again. So lovely. Exactly. lovely okay. So, you know, my next question would be, uh, 
based on your experience as someone uh, who started the organization in india dialpad uh, what advice or sort of suggestions you'd like to share with let's say folks in general or leaders or entrepreneurs who are um, who are trying to build and scale up a tech organization operating out of india and in the market where conditions are uh, i would say amazingly great and at the same point in time there is a challenge there is competition uh, there's huge news of every month a new startup becoming a unicorn and therefore it further raises the bar with respect to the competition so what what advice would you like to share <clears throat> yeah i i think uh i again this is purely based on my experience and what way i see the see the market around and the and what i have learned from my friends and peers uh, okay. in the industry it may not be entirely the entire spectrum but i i can just maybe uh, point out few points which i think uh, uh, based on my experience what might be helpful for someone who's who's actually going to be uh, you know trying to build and scale a tech organization operating out of india mm-hmm. uh, i would say to start with like like we tell uh, for the for somebody who is doing a startup like start with a problem right what problem are you solving so similarly uh, i would I, i if i just translate the same thing for for starting a center in india uh, it's very important for for somebody at a leadership level to work with the with the with the team uh, uh, you know the, the exact team whether it's in us europe whoever is starting the, the center in india to figure out uh where, where are you in terms of the maturity model uh not not where are you where, where do you want to peg yourself the maturity mm. model for india center J- just to kind of explain that a little bit further what i mean by that is like you could actually start a center which is um which is focused on let's say just the back end support which is which is a great place to start with right uh or you could decide and say that hey this uh, it it should be only tech focused versus not tech focused mm-hmm. or you could say that even in the tech focused it can be support and ownership of some components of certain products over here uh or you could go further mature from maturity model i i mean is that the complexity of work starts increasing right then you could kind of go to the next level where you say that it's not just about support uh, or owning the components it's about also owning a product right mm-hmm. uh, along with the rest which comes along with it right uh you could actually go to the next level and say that hey our vision is that india center should just not own the product but also co innovate it with let's say uh, somebody in headquarters to kind of come up with a new product so and then maybe the next levels can be also you can keep thinking about like for instance the the, the india team can also look at like how it can support the teams to to sell in india or in, you know or to also grow the business in india which is even the next level of maturity model mm-hmm. so so depending on where you want to peg yourself and you can't just start right in right at the top you have to kind of go through some stages so you have to make a conscious decision where you want to start depending on where you are starting the india center with the goal uh, and the, and the vision from there a lot of things will start kind of you know flowing out in a, in a proper way uh so so assuming let's say you want to kind of start from a point wherein you know for sure that the team in india is going to be owning a product not uh, not just owning the company owning a product so what you quickly kind of that makes you think is that, oh it's just not just having the engineering team i also need to make sure i have a product managers mm. uh i need to have designers i need to have uh, not just developer and qa i also need to have quick decision making i also need to have somewhere to figure out that where the markets are so mm-hmm. so it's like owning the product end to end just means a lot of those kind of things so then you kind of start the next level that strategy will help you to come to the next level which is what now what is the hiring strategy i need to have to support that higher level strategy for the india right so you kind of hire the right set of people now if you are owning the product for instance if that's what your strategy is going to be mm-hmm. uh, then you need to make sure that you are hiring the right leadership who can help you to kind of you know drive the product whether it's engineering or product management and those kind of people right so so you need to have that so so automatically that also helps you from not, not just from hiring the right people but also attracting the right people mm-hmm. uh, getting the right uh, good people uh, from the market is always tough it's not about just you going and they joining you right you have to pitch and they have to be convinced that this is the right place for them so mm-hmm. when you pitch them a bigger charter which is kind of signed off by the by the exec team and everyone else then they are also 100% sure that this is the right place for them to join because there is mm-hmm. enough challenge and and work which they see 
they are going to be driving right so mm -hmm. similarly when you all at all the levels everybody gets excited by the bigger picture what they going to do so i would say that's a that's the biggest and the most important thing to do because many times what i see is that uh, when people start india center they don't they don't really consciously think about that and they just start hiring yeah. and they just say that okay it doesn't really matter let's hire whatever comes our way and <laughs> and uh, that that dilutes the whole point of like the right giving the right pitch right Mm -hmm. uh, so that is that is the, the topmost. The second thing I feel uh, the, the the important thing is you have to be totally in sync with the with the your key stakeholders from the headquarters. Yeah, I would call them sponsor or sponsors who really really are uh, looking to grow the India because there will be ups and downs. There it will not be a smooth journey. So you really you need to kind of make sure that there is some someone you are tie, tied to the hip in terms of somebody who believes in, in mm. the story of India, mm. in you and the leadership. And then making sure that there's a continuous communication happening in terms of like what's going well, what's not going well, what we need to start, what we need to stop. A lot of that kind of things. And in a very open and transparent way so that there is, there is a, because at the end of the day, they have a huge stake in making the India yeah. India center uh, successful. successful. So, yeah. so, so that's where you need to have the conversation very, very uh, regularly, right? And third thing I would say uh, is, uh, as you're building the team, uh, you know, it can be very hard. And I mean, I remember when we started the dial pad, we and uh, me and a couple of guys were doing it. Uh, we were spending like eighty percent of our time just hiring, right? So we didn't even have a recruiter to start with. Even to hire the recruiter, we took time. It was hard. It was, I, you know, it was like the first person who joined, I had to go to the shop and buy the laptop for that person, right? So <laughs> it's, it's as hard as that, right? So uh, sometimes if you're not tuned to that, that kind of a work, you'll think that, you know, I was not doing the same work. I had a corner office in Polycom. Now I'm doing this kind of a stuff. But I mean, you, you had to be prepared and I was prepared. So it was not <laughs> a difficult thing. But I think what really makes it fun, personally for me, is the fact that uh, uh, each and you see, it's like, you know, you see the baby born and then yeah. it starts crawling yeah. and, you know, there are different phases. And if you can just kind of see it like that, you literally enjoy each and every, uh, you know, uh, stage. And it's very, very important uh, to build that kind of a culture where, uh, uh, where people are kind of, uh, you know, enjoying that each and every milestone uh, they are having, uh, they're celebrating it and it could be, and, and, and I think that's the culture, right? Kind of getting the, uh, every, making, making sure that everybody's feeling good about it and, and it can start with you, but I can tell you that it is, it is something which people like about, and that's why they join the company from the beginning or in, in the, in the middle, because they see themselves <coughs> part of the growth story and they really, everybody loves that growth story and they want to celebrate it at, at, uh, at each time. And as long as you're doing it, I mean, if there was an office, you would do it physically uh, because of COVID, uh, it's tougher. So if you can uh, use use the digital platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, whatever you can, uh, I think as much as you can, if you can kind of celebrate these moments, uh, each and every small milestone, I think that will go a long way in terms of helping you to grow the site. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, when you started off and I, I was quite, uh, I think that's a very important point and that you made all the points very practical, but where do you want to peg it? I think that's, something, yes. you know, at times <laughs> that's the question that needs a clear answer, you know, and, and then once you're clear where you want to peg it, then how do you want to move it forward? And when do you want to move it forward? And, Correct. you know, that, of course, it's not a clear cut answer. You can expedite it or delay it depending on the environment and various other factors. But if the starting point is clear, then you can, you know, really make the progress and all the other, you know, pieces start falling in place. Exactly. Um, and, and like, a, like a startup, and I'm sure that you have gone through that yourself when you started uh, uh, the, the, your company, right? So uh, what you start with, you may pivot uh, as you go along, but it's very important to start with something which mm -hmm. you have a goal on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I keep telling that, especially in a startup, <coughs> uh, you will never be perfect right mm. but you need to still have a have a plan mm. and uh, and and if you go wrong uh, you know you just accept it and all of you change change the plan and move towards something else right mm. but having a plan is very important otherwise there can be a lot of confusion and especially if 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 the candidate is talking i mean going going back to this discussion what we are having 
that the candidate is talking to like say three panel members mm -hmm. in, a, in an interview team and, and, and candidates will be asking a lot of questions to you because yeah. you're not Google or Facebook and they know about it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So so they will be asking different questions like why why is it why is that if the entire panel is not in sync in terms mm -hmm. of what we want to do here, mm -hmm. in terms of why we are here, right? So the candidate candidate will get very, very um, you know, will not be in sync and, and not get really excited about the role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what also I like and you know I, I could relate to it more was the idea of saying that look, I am building an organization now. And when I'm building an organization, there are various roles that I'll have to play. I cannot have a value judgment on a particular kind of role. For example, going out and in your case, buying a laptop sort of a thing. Well, yes. that's that's an important piece. And at this stage, I have to do it. Oh yeah. I, I mean, we are, we are so, uh, so particular and so finicky about the candidate experience and onboarding and all those things from the beginning. And I think yeah. I should say in general, a dial pad is, and, and we have just inculcated the same values here. Uh, each and every small thing matters. And yeah. I think we, we, we actually make sure that uh, anytime the candidate experience or the onboarding experience is, is goes down, uh, we go back and kind of see what went wrong and how we can do it better next time. Uh, it's almost like a customer, right? So just like we, people talk about customer experience, I think the candidate experience is very important. Obviously, the employee experience, there are a bunch of things yeah. which every company does. Yeah. But when you're starting, these guys are not your employees, yeah. right? So your first sole motive is to make sure that uh, what we've also seen is that candidate experience becomes so important is because Many people, and I can tell you uh, that many people who actually didn't join us in, initially, they have come back to us and joined us after two years. Uh, many people who got rejected have come back to us later on because they have they have really liked the the whole experience, especially the interview experience, the panel, and everything. That they really wanted to to work with this company, yeah. and uh, and as they kind of went along with the interviews, every interview they kind of fought, fell more and more in love with the company and the, the culture. Because it was not fake. They thought that it is authentic. Every person mm -hmm. who's talking to them is authentic and is whenever whatever they're telling is not something they have cooked up, right? They really believe from the heart when they're telling them that, hey, these are the things uh, which, which we like as a company. And when an engineer listens to another engineer, uh, you know, who has been working for like, let's say two years here and still has the same energy, uh, I think that is what kind of really makes them to come. And when they come in there, they also kind of just... You know, become the. They also kind of let's say paint the same color on the face and then go and 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 talk to other uh, other candidates. So candidate experience is super super important. And I would say one thing, which many people uh, you know uh, underestimate, while branding is all about like okay, put the uh, put the placards, put, go on the digital platform, go on Google mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But one thing people really really underestimate is the power of actually the people who are with you and how much they can actually can, you know, uh, help others to join, right? And mm -hmm. I think, and I also believe that uh, initially it takes time for you to get the A, A team, but uh, A team gets to you the A team, right? That they become the guardians of the culture and what they believe in. And they will make sure that, you know, they get the similar people also on board. So the, so the, so the initial set of people become very, very critical when you're actually mm -hmm. scaling up, right? So even if you take some time, I would say just take some time, but get the right people mm -hmm. uh, who kind of, uh, you know, uh, there's no, there's no right or wrong, but people who kind of align with your vision and people who align with your, uh, your thought process and how you want to take it, because there are brilliant people, skilled people, but they may have a very different view of what they want to do, right? And I think it's very important to make sure that uh, that conversation happens right up front so that they are very excited when they join, right? So mm -hmm. they know that exactly what they're getting in. I think, you know, the idea of building an organization brick by brick in a particular geography comes yes. so, so obvious. You know, the clarity and the passion with which you talk, it's so obvious. It just, you exude that clarity and passion because you've built it brick by brick. And I think a lot of my friends, perhaps who are in the talent acquisition world, in the technology space, they would, they would love to listen to this podcast apart from many others, because uh, I think a lot of things that you're talking about is something that I've heard them uh, deal with and at times struggle with. And I did, uh, towards the end, I, I heard you talking about the culture bit, which now uh, I, I said in the beginning when we were on the first question that I'll come to the culture bit later, 
because that's something of interest to me personally uh, and also to my organization. So the question to you on that front is that uh, in a competitive environment, when you are acquiring talent from different sources, uh, as well as delivering on aspirational goals, how do you cascade and nurture a set of core beliefs or culture that the organization stands for? How do you manage to do that? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I think, <clears throat> see, culture is something which, uh, when you're building, uh, when you're building a center in India, and I, again, I'll just want to keep the, the problem statement more in the context of what we're talking about because mm -hmm. culture can kind of mean a lot of things. Yeah, it can become so yeah. so so you as a leader and you as a leadership team, I mean you are not only on the team who's the who's kind of going to be the foundation team. Mm -hmm. Uh you you always and including the initial recruiters, initial leaders, and initial engineers, also the first engineer, these all the people together. What you need to make sure is that you spend some time to understand the culture of the uh, the bigger your mothership, the company mm -hmm. which the you're setting up. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that uh, <laughs> that uh, India centers should not have their very different and their own cultures, which is very very uh, you know different to what we have as a as a uh, you know headquarters or you call it mothership or you call it the rest of the uh, company. Yeah. So it's very important to start with to kind of make sure that you understand. Uh, what is the culture and, and every company has their own culture and culture is not about just looking at the slide and talking about these are our values, these are our things, right? When you talk to the people, uh, when you understand the people, you ask the right questions, when you observe things, when you hear the stories, that's all what the culture is all about, right? And certain, certain things you may agree to, certain things you may not agree to and you have to kind of decide, like, you know, uh, if, you're not, if you're agreeing, you like it, that's good. Mm. certain things you're not comfortable with that you have to go and make sure that you are asking the right questions to the right people, especially your sponsors mm. and stakeholders so that you get convinced. And if there is a lot of times, it may be because of some reason that whole culture has been there. Right. So all those things together would really help you to kind of make sure that you are articulating the culture aspect of it. And you want to build a similar culture over here. Mm. Now there will be as everything else is called global, right? There's some global and there's a local thing. So, mm. uh, so it, Culture also comes a little bit from a flair of your leadership, and it's not like as as simple as like you copying everything, right? Mm -hmm. It also comes your beliefs, and a lot of those also influence. But I would say uh, it's very important to kind of make sure that uh, the overall global culture, what we have as a company, it doesn't kind of uh, get diluted. That's very important. Just to give an example, in Dialpad, uh, one thing which I really liked was uh, we have a story wherein our our CEO Craig. So when he started, uh, he said like the only culture in the company is this three three words uh, or four words, I should say, do the right thing. So uh, so what that really means is that he said, I trust my employees, I trust my people. Uh, and at any point of time, if uh, you believe there is, this is the right thing to do, just go about it. You don't have to kind of, you know, ask 10 questions and everything, right? We trust you to make the right decision for yourself, for your team, for your, uh, you know, uh, for a project and, and everybody else. So uh, it was a very powerful thing for me because I think if you ask any person in Dialpad, what's the one thing which they remember as a culture, this is the one thing. And it just keeps you, um, while it just gives you a lot of space to work, but it also kind of puts that extra amount of yeah. accountability and responsibility yeah. for you to make sure that, hey, I need the right thing. So these are the small stories which kind of really help you to translate, you know, uh, the culture. We, we as a company, I think I would say Dialpad specifically uh, in this case, right? Uh, we are very, very transparent about a lot of things. Like as compared to many other companies I have worked with, and I know a lot of companies where my friends work, where we, we share transparently the financial details. We share the, uh, the, the, the customers uh, who we have lost, who we have gained. We share where we are doing well, where we're not doing well. And this doesn't happen quarterly. I mean, we used to do every weekly. Now we have shifted to every bi-weekly or something mm -hmm. like that. Everything which gets discussed with the board, shared with the board, gets actually presented to the employees. So there's a huge amount of transparency which kind of gets, uh, you know, uh, translates to the employees. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 that kind of a culture is very important, especially. And again, I would I should credit that to the to the headquarters or the or to our CEO and mm -hmm. the the e staff because. They want to build a culture wherein there's a transparency because once you have the transparent culture, there's nothing to hide. 
Yeah. Uh, we we really trust our employees that they will keep it confidential wherever they have to, right? They don't kind of uh, you know spell it out. But it hasn't happened till now. But it just tells you that more you trust your employees, more you are transparent, more you actually uh, trust them to do the right thing, as we just say, right? Uh, the magic happens. We hire really smart people from industry. We don't have to tell them how to do it. We just tell them what to do and then trust them on 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 that part. And I think that's the culture which people really like. Uh, and uh, and also, I would say on a tactical basis, when we are hiring the people, we put a lot of emphasis on hiring the good culture fit, right? Yeah. So like every interview, actually, we do make sure that there is a round wherein we check on aspects which we care about as a mm-hmm. as as a company. Uh, that you know, it's not about like right or wrong or this person is like this or that, but at least the person should show the natural inclination towards yeah. some of the values which we we believe in, right? So. Uh, so yes, so I think we also make sure that that extra bit of effort is done right in the front, uh, in the beginning, so that the wrong hire doesn't come in, right? Because cost of wrong hire, as you all know, yeah. is is very very high. Yeah. yeah. So this was quite powerful, and I think, <clears throat> as you rightly said, when you when you don't have reams of policy around culture, uh, and if the leadership says that, just do the right thing, you know. Um, on the face of it, it may look easy, but as you rightly pointed out, a lot, a huge ownership then gets transferred on to you. Exactly. Yeah, and you are particularly, I would say, most of the people would particularly be far more cautious that they are doing the right thing. They are doing the right thing, correct. Correct. And it's not that this is not this is the only one. We have a few more things, but I'm just saying it's the story is it started from there. Mm-hmm. Our policy book was that one, these four words and, and that kind of still continues. I mean, while mm-hmm. a few other things have changed, this kind of continues. And I think maybe it has resonated very closely yeah. with me and a lot of us. So I, I always kind of, uh, that, that's your North star, right? Yeah. Which you yeah. literally want to kind of maintain in a, in a company. And uh, even when you're, when you're growing the organization, there will be some uh, some uh, misfires, like you know, you may not hire the right person, or some person will do something which you are not very happy with. But what you kind of remind yourself very quickly is that that one uh, one thing going wrong should not really impact the broader uh, goal what you have from a culture perspective, right? The typical reaction to some something going wrong in a company uh, is that okay? Let's tighten the screws. Let's kind of put more control and all this stuff. So, so which is very yeah, yes. and natural and everything like that yes. because you 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 don't want to t- kind of take the risk of like repeating it. Uh, but I think what really that culture gives you is that sense of uh, you know safety net, saying that okay, even if things go wrong, I think we as a company believe in this and we do always want to trust our employees, even if there is a one-off case which which doesn't go that way. <coughs> And I think, uh, exactly, I mean, the trust part that you're talking about, when I hear somebody say, just do the right thing, uh, what I, as if the employer is saying that, and I am the person who's applying for a job, to me, it translates as, well, I trust you that you will do the right thing. And therefore, there are no reams of policies. So it's, you know, the starting point is the position of trust. Right, it comes right. across like this. The starting point is not the position of neutrality or distrust. Correct. So, correct. so personally to me, and it, it may mean different things to different people, but it, to me, if I'm looking for a job in a company where it says just do the right thing, that's what it means. I think it will start from the position of, okay, here is the position of trust. That's where it is. Exactly. exactly. And therefore, it is far more important for me now not to ensure not to break that trust. Not to break that. Exactly. And, and, and look at it this way, right? So uh, with the COVID, with work from remotely and all this stuff, like, Companies who had a lot of these uh, guardrails and a lot of controls, uh, whereas it, it it has just vanished, right? So I think I think uh, it, it means it means a lot to kind of have that kind of a trust on your employees to ensure that they're doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, you know, if during these times, especially when you know employees can be anywhere, right? So there is mm. no way to kind of put those controls. But but honestly, these kind of things were much before COVID. Just to clarify, right? These were not like because of COVID. I think it just helped us as a company to kind of uh, uh, deal with the with the situation much more quicker. We were one of the first companies to kind of just tell our employees to work from home, by the way, uh, right? So because we didn't have the qualms of like, okay, how is this going to work? Uh, you know, how are we going to manage control? Because there was an inherent trust that people are going to do the right thing. Yeah. And we could just kind of start with uh, like, okay, let's work from home tomorrow. So it would work perfectly. And it has worked perfectly for us, which eventually has worked perfectly for almost everybody. <laughs> no. yeah. But some were forced, 
see the beauty is that if your fundamentals are based on some of these universal principles like trust and all even if you are hit with an uncertain event like pandemic right. you still are able to move and sail and sail somewhat smoothly as compared to the others because these fundamentals help you you're not fighting correct. the battle of i'm losing control correct correct right i think uh, yeah that's a great i mean that's a great example and i personally liked i'm sure there are many things many more parts to the culture but i i i do like i also like the part of just do the right thing so, yes <clears throat> what i'll do is that now i'll move on to the last question that i have for you sure and uh, i think uh, this one is also an interesting one at least uh, to hear it from you so um, as a leader what are some of the minefields that one needs to be cautious of when one is trying to scale up the organization uh, as we are chasing a very strong growth trajectory which is expected from the business so what are some of the minefields one needs to be cautious of yeah so so uh, i have been in the situation wherein uh, either as a company or as a group uh, you are in the hyper growth mode mm-hmm. and um, you 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 i mean there are goals sometimes and there are like you know uh, unset expectations sometimes uh, about the growth right so mm. so i i think um, so so that definitely especially when you're starting the 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 center here uh, or for the matter anywhere you're starting right so if uh, uh, if there are not people coming on board uh, with a with a good pace there's a pressure so i think i think nobody can take take that away from you uh i think the, the you you talk about the minefields or the things you should kind of watch out right so first thing i would say is uh, uh just like if i talked about like where you peg uh you know yourself in terms of the uh, maturity model for any center the other important thing which is very important is um which i didn't talk about that but it's very important is where do you peg yourself in terms of the quality of the hires you make mm. when i say quality means uh you know you you have a talent pool over there and then depending it's kind of related to the first one only like quality of work mm. will derive the the quality of talent right if you are pegging yourself from a strategy perspective at the right side of the spectrum wherein the complexity of the work which you're going to do is high mm. then obviously the quality of talent you're going to hire is also higher mm. higher right uh, and if you're doing that then you you kind of peg your bar where where is your hiring bar where are you kind of what kind of uh, people are you hiring uh and i think the the minefield there is that if you don't have a good sense of how what are the, what is that uh uh hiring bar uh because of the pressure said and unsaid you can potentially lower that mm-hmm. and uh you know if the pressure is high you can still lower that so i think there is a definitely a chance of you kind of you know uh, meeting the numbers and and so i would say that's the first thing which you want to do uh and i think you are sponsor or your um, your headquarters or whoever is kind of supporting the center has to be totally in sync with that thing right uh, many times um, the pressure will be so high and uh, sometimes people will be find it very difficult to explain uh, to your sponsor or to your execs that hey why the hiring is slow so uh, so i i think i think that is the one minefield just make sure that you pick your uh, bar and then once you do that once you hold that uh, if it's not happening instead of lowering it you need to figure out what is going wrong and what can i do to kind of uh, maintain that sometimes based on my experience what i have seen is uh, let's say we start with one recruiter or the recruitment capacity is low right mm. so obviously with the competitive market you cannot have less recruitment capacity uh, you know maybe it was okay 10 years back but right now you need to have more recruitment capacity because the number of people you need to screen and then get to that part is a lot more so work is more there's more work more work means more capacity so yeah. sometimes it may require you to kind of evaluate your recruitment capacity sometimes it may it may evaluate your strategy in terms of like how you're reaching your candidates sometimes it may force you to evaluate in terms of like are you doing enough in terms of the referrals so there are many other things which you need to evaluate but one thing which you really need to kind of keep constant is the hiring bar and the rest of the things you need to kind of make sure you are kind of you know uh, changing so i would say uh, because lowering the hiring bar and saying okay you know i think he's he or she is just meeting a less kind of just get get this person in then it just starts diluting and then you then you don't that doesn't force you to think about some other things you could have done right so mm. so that's number one i would say is a definitely a uh, big uh, minefield and 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 again the impact of lowering the bar i think i also want to talk about that very quickly 
if you are planning to do high complexity work in India, uh, you might meet the numbers, which maybe somebody is evaluating, but eventually what really, really matters is, are you able to do that work with, with the right velocity, with the right quality, and then with the, with the right, uh, you know, uh, cadence, right? Mm. And it is only possible if you have the right people. So you need to keep the long-term view of what you want to do uh, there rather than just trying to meet the, the numbers, right? So I think that's the, that's, I just want to emphasize that again, giving the context of the long-term implication right. of if you do it, right. there may be a longer-term implication of, okay. of you kind of, uh, you know, struggling later on. Uh, the second, uh, the second, uh, I mean, minefield, uh, use the word minefield, is uh, basically like like anything else in the business, I would always say, try to see if you can actually take data-oriented decisions mm. uh, or data-based decisions. Um, like, um, for instance, if you are having uh, no shows or no, uh, you know, offer to, offer to decline ratio is high or your uh, compensation is... Uh, doesn't seem to be right, or your benefits don't seem to be right. There can be many things why you're not able to hire these candidates uh, or some candidates are not accepting your offer or things like that, or negotiations going too long or stuff like that. It's very, very important for you, especially in the initial phase to collect this data uh, regularly, uh, find the reasons. I mean, one or two cases should not, uh, as you know, there's also a lot of recency factor, right? So this mm -hmm. candidate happened to reject the job because of brand so you think oh i'm not able to hire because our brand is not strong mm. or uh, other candidates said compensation so he, unless you collect the data and then see for some time for some numbers then see the pattern it's very difficult for you to kind of really figure out what your top reasons are because of which you are not able to kind of you know grow and scale the thing so i would i will like anything else i would say just keep collecting the data and make sure using some good uh, tools uh, mm in in hiring and then in 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 your thing so that you know you can actually use this that uh, we use a lot i mean in dialpad we use a lot of metrics to kind of just keep a tab on a lot of things we have a lot of metrics on how we do it but i would really suggest to do that that makes the conversation also very very objective like you know and also your plans and also the interventions also become a lot more thing and then you can measure if you're if something worked you can go back and look at the metric and see that okay no you know this is kind of uh, working fine uh, the other thing which also I see is uh, uh, the third thing I would say in terms of the um, the minefield is uh, during the COVID times, right? The things the world has changed, and uh, when you wanted to open a center over here in India, uh, many times you would kind of think of think of an office, right? So I have to hire fifty people. So where should I? Uh, how what office should I do and stuff like that? Many employees were very particular about. Oh, I want to see the office. I want to see the board. I want to see uh, the nice uh, lounge chairs and all this stuff, right? Uh, I think things have changed during the last two and a half years. So I would say uh, whenever you're starting something, uh, always don't over-index a lot on the office in these these, term, right. these times, right. right? So you can really think about, uh, I mean, you still probably, you still need an office, uh, but uh, when you're starting new and, and fresh, right? So you can think about many other uh, possibilities, whether it is a co-working space and yeah. other things, right? So which yeah. which will give you give you help, which will help you to kind of you know scale up, scale down, and also kind of evaluate how you want to eventually run the office in India, right? Whether right. it's a distributed one city, two cities, a lot of opportunities start coming in, and, and I personally feel that. Again, I mean, unless you are in a, uh, in a, you want to start a center, which is like thousands of people, mm -hmm. then obviously then you have to kind of make sure that you are thinking about some one anchor office in India, which can actually scale up so much. Like for instance, Google is scaling like in thousands. So obviously mm -hmm. then it makes sense to kind of just do that. But if you're a, if you are not that scale, then you want flexibility and you want to make sure you are kind of, you know, uh, evaluating this lot, lot more before you actually take a bigger decision on the offices, right? Um, the, the, uh, the, the third or uh, fourth uh, point I have is, um, when you're starting something, many times, uh, people don't realize it, but hiring is going to be one of the primary activity you're going to do in first six months, I would mm -hmm. say six to nine months, mm -hmm. each one of you, not just you, but also the people you are hiring and the people who they are hiring. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, the, I have seen my personal experience, uh, <laughs> when you are taking the projects and everything, uh, people think that, oh, you are hired three months. I mean, you can start delivering this, right? And six months, you can start delivering that. 
they don't realize that hiring takes almost 60 to 70% of your um, uh, mind share and the time share yeah. right and especially more the competitive market the more time you have to spend right yeah uh, so i think you have to be very careful in terms of making sure you're not committing any deliverable uh, you know too early mm. uh, or or the scope of the deliverable is too big right which you can't handle because you have not really looked at the hiring as a, as a big activity initially right, right? Right. so so that is that is one of the things which is because you might be doing okay but you'll get under double whammy you have a right. pressure of hiring you have a pressure of deliverable and you have not really you know estimated it uh, right mm. um yeah i think i think these are the top ones and then i think the couple of small ones i would say is uh, um you know i think when you're getting the uh, when you're starting uh, you know you're getting everybody's new right so you have to continuously take the feedback of how things are going whether it's the interviewing onboarding uh, you know uh, and also uh, there may be challenges smaller challenges or uh, bigger challenges like which people will will tell you so you have to continuously take the feedback and get it addressed at at, at a dynamic pace right because right. you know you will not have full fledged hr team you will not have facilities team you will not have so it will it is all growing up and you know everybody's coming on board so literally you have to kind of communicate a lot and take the feedback and get things sorted as they kind of go along and uh, well last thing more on the hiring part which personally i think i have seen challenge is especially when the market is dynamically changing and uh, is on the and especially when you're forming a center which is part of the global ecosystem uh, for the first one when the market is changing you have to kind of make sure you are actually uh, defining what percentile you want to fix your compensation mm-hmm. ranges right uh, i would say the earlier you do the better it is because mm-hmm. then you take a hard call right at the beginning rather than mm-hmm. kind of you know taking it later on right. it, it makes it easier because i have seen if you don't do it properly there are a lot of uh, time you waste in terms of like approvals reapprovals ex- exceptions and all those things which can be avoided right so if you kind of just decide right in the beginning and many big companies do it because they do it because they have they have like compensation benefits team and all this stuff but when you get started you miss on those things you say okay let's hire and we'll figure it out yeah uh, which is which is the right strategy but at least try to kind of just do some research in parallel to make sure that where you want to be it, it can also be that you want to hire for like 3 to 6 months and then decide that's also fine but i think that's one thing you you would like to kind of just you know figure out uh, as as early as possible uh, which will which will reduce your this friction and also the time uh, and the second thing uh, you know um, uh, which which also i would i would say is um, the levels levels should be uh, as close or i would say i would recommend similar to the global level when i say level means job levels right yeah, yeah. Uh, i think there is a there are two school of thought some people think that india we need more job levels because people <laughs> want to get promoted every you know but i have a different opinion i'm based on my experience i feel people in india are very mature they know that uh, these extra levels are just uh, inflated and eventually what really matters is they want to see uh, the content of the role The, yes the content of the role and actually uh, they are getting what they truly deserve right mm. so um, I, i don't know what's the right uh, there may be pros and cons for both but personally i would say uh, not to have inflated levels right how it as cons- and this is not something in dialpad i have seen this in previous companies i always have been uh, very very pro about having the global levels and whatever the levels are at the end of the day they should be global Uh, so one is like not giving the feeling of inflated levels uh, that it actually kind of you know boomerangs rather than helps in my opinion the second thing is also uh, having the consistent levels and expectation around those levels helps in terms of things like for instance job movements across yeah. uh, whether it's regions and geographies or teams and those kind of things right so it also helps in kind of making sure that uh, things are normalized rather than kind of you know skewed so i think these are the i would say top things which you said mind feels right the mind feels which uh, i can think about right now that was lovely i think that's sort of a short master class for a lot of hr heads who are trying to you know look for a space in a tech organization which is startup wants to attract talent wants to do great job is a part of a global company and there are possibilities of growing immensely so the Correct. short master class that you've given to a lot of hr heads i think they will thank you for that and i think that's all that i have uh, for you i would personally like to you know say a big thanks so thank you for taking time out for this conversation 
uh, I'm sure our listeners and viewers will immensely, immensely benefit from your views and perspectives. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Vivek. It was, it was lovely talking to you and catching up with you. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, sure that I couldn't uh, cover everything which, uh, which might be helpful, but I'm hoping that whatever I could cover today, uh, it will be helpful for some, some people for sure. Definitely, definitely. So thank you and bye-bye. And that's how we sign off. Bye. Thank you.